Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. Welcome to um, Dan's Talks. And uh, my guest today on this podcast is Scott Howe, who's the uh, director of what used to be known as ARF, and now it's Art Hampton. What is it? Art Hampton? No. Art Hamptons. Hampton. Yeah. We have a Art. long name. Animal <laughs> Rescue Fund of the Hamptons. But um, I see. Yeah. But uh, we're we're uh, in the age of the internet. Uh, people find us by Art Hamptons. I see um, you have pictures on the walls there. I was wondering uh, what. First of all, let me let me uh, let me say about what Arf is for uh, listeners. Sure. Who know. ARF is the Animal Rescue Fund of the Hamptons, which has been in business for 25 or 30 years. And they 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 rescue dogs and cats. And uh, over the years, I have gotten many dogs there, probably five that have I've been going there since the 70s, I think, when it was founded. And they're doing renovations there now. So my first question is, and this is right out by the airport across from um, uh, on on Daniel's Hole Road in East Hampton, That's and yeah, uh, as the uh, I presume the uh, dogs are safe and sound. And tell us a little about where they are now, and, sure, uh, and uh, and uh, what the facility will be like when it's finished and when. Great. So you're right. Uh, ARP was founded in '74, and um, they the volunteers raised the money to build on our current site in the '80s, and. Um, our adoption center and shelter opened um, in around 1985. We started last year, last August, so about a year and a half ago, uh, and doing a complete renovation of, of our lobby, our offices, where our cats live. And with our kennel building, we started over. And we raised that building and we built a brand new kennel building for all of our large dogs. And during this construction, um, we've still been rescuing and adopting, but on a smaller, smaller scale. So we have a 7,000 square foot medical building that was built uh, around 2000. And we did some early uh, mechanical upgrades to it over the last five years, getting it ready for this bigger project. So our dogs are living downstairs and our cats are living upstairs and <laughs> we're about at keeping everyone separate and content. But the, uh, so we're about half our normal capacity, maybe a little less than half. What is the normal and what are you now? So we'll be, um, we'll be 150 um, cats and dogs evenly split 75 and 75. Um, and Sounds then, like a fair fight. It is, it is, we try to keep it there. And it, you know, it all depends on size and a, a litter of, of nine puppies like we got uh, over the weekend, that, that shoots our numbers up temporarily. But right now we are about 60 animals in the building 
um, another 10 out on Foster. What's the typical uh, length of time? I know it must vary a great deal. Yeah, but... so pup, puppies, uh, puppies are here about two weeks, probably uh -huh. two, two to three. Um, kittens, um, kittens uh, live with a foster family until they're about two, weigh two pounds. And then they, we spay and neuter them and they go up for adoption and, and that, uh, once they've been spayed and neutered, they're here for about a week or or maybe maybe two. It's adult dogs take a little longer. It's um the animals that take the longest are the adult dogs that don't get along with other dogs. So yeah. single dog house. We, yeah. we need a single dog household. Yeah. I so. see. Well, at this time of the year, uh, there's at least I don't know if it's still the same, but it, they used to say that there were people who, when they would end their summer uh, rental or whatever, they would leave their dogs to, to fend for themselves and they'd have that, to be picked up. That's the story from the 70s when ARF was founded, sure. And there are uh, articles in the New York Times with headlines that say, why, why do people in the Hamptons leave their pets at the end of summer? It was terrible time, I think. Yeah, that's and case, so you case, know, that, that's why ARP was founded. Yeah, I think so. And and so, uh, how do you does I do people change in how they're behaving? People, people have changed. You're right, and so that's what's allowed ARF to go and help other regions of the country where people haven't changed. And that's where you know there are still local dogs that need us strays that show up or found in the town of East Hampton, you know, and that happens in any community, but it's not like the seventies when there were unspayed, unneutered dogs at the town dump um, on Labor Day every year. Oh. Oh, our, our kittens are local though. That's just the nature of, uh, I think of it as one big colony of cats that lives from Montauk all, all the way to Southampton. There's another highway parallel to Montauk Highway for cats. So our well, kittens the, are local. The, the, uh, there's, there's feral cats that are in yeah. the community. So uh, what we do, we find the kittens. The kittens are brought to us. We spay and neuter them. And then we go looking for, for the moms and for the toms. And ARF does free spay neuter for feral cats. And so that's how we try to control the local population. So, you know, whenever whenever people bring us kittens, that's the first question we ask is like, have you have you seen the mom? Do you think <laughs> you can trap her? Can we can we get her? And um, that's part of how we keep the local population uh, under control. So there's not more kittens than we can adopt. Describe the procedure of how someone who makes a decision that they want to have a, a dog we'll say dog, in their yeah. homes and they hear about ARF and how, what do they do and how does it, how does it go about and describe the, uh, the procedure? You know, I think the, the biggest change that's happened is a, a lot of people are looking online and you can start on our website, arfhamptons.org and fall in love and fill out an application right there. You can then come to ARF and actually meet the animal in person. Nothing's final until you're actually here in the flesh in person to meet the animal. And um, during construction, 
our adoption days, uh, we worked it out with the general contractor. We do adoptions on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Let's see. And, and they do all the heavy work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. They're st they, they still work on Saturdays, but, um, but we park our adoption van in front and encourage adopters to come to the shelter and adopt on site. You're saying potential dog owners come to the uh, this uh, adoption trailer is that the yeah that? we we have a mobile adoption van and and we and we can also you know while the weather's you know still still nice uh, people are um, we're bringing dogs out from the kennel and uh, people are going for walks and, and meeting the dogs here in person. So um, you can go there and meet a lot of different dogs if you wanted to. That's true. Okay. Yes. Is there any particular story you could tell that might be of an interesting encounter between somebody and a, a pet that might be uh, good to tell at this moment? You know, I, I think at this time of year, um, you know, my heart always goes out to to our longtime our longtime residents. And these are these are the cats and dogs who probably got surrendered um, to ARF for any number of reasons. Maybe maybe the people lost their house and had to move from the area and, um, or they were originally adopted from ARF um, and you know, through no fault of their own, they ended up back here. Maybe it was someone who adopted a puppy and didn't uh, really understand what life was like with a puppy for the first two years and the dog ends up back here. So. The, those are the animals right now that that we're we're really pushing because um, they get overlooked. Everyone loves the cute floppy ears and and uh, of a puppy, and um, but these adult dogs, um, they're the ones who are going to be who who are really going to appreciate the life in a home and immediately immediately bond to you. So. Uh, you know, that's, that's all I'm thinking now. Those, those are the stories that I look for, you know, when I see who got adopted for the weekends. I know the puppies are going to go and the kittens are going to go. But when we have an adult dog or a senior dog or cat that goes home, th those are the ones we celebrate. Because we know that so somebody special has come along and, um, and opened up their, their homes to them. What about naming dogs? Do uh, dogs ever come with collars or something that tells you what their names are? No, I mean, if, if they if they have been in a home, we keep we keep the name um, that they that they've had if they're they're an adult. But um, you can tell when kittens come in and um, or puppies come in. Uh, we sometimes get creative, and you know we've had seven kittens and we've had the seven dwarfs. Um, we've had um, the favorite puppies, our cats that came in were found in Bridgehampton near the old racetrack. And so they all had names of exotic cars. I see. Uh, so sometimes, sometimes there are, um, uh, and inevitably if a pair of kittens come in and they're both females, they're Thelma and Louise. There has to be at least uh, one pair every year, so. What's uh, what's your history? Have you did you um, move here or did you grow up out here? No, no, I didn't. I, I was a I was a, a transplant, and um, I found Arf kind of before they found me. Um, I adopted my dog in 2014, 
uh, from our cattle dogs, um, who is from Texas, where I was originally from. So I like to say we're both rescues from Texas. And uh, Stritch, her name is Stritch. Uh, we named her after uh, Elaine Stritch and uh, in honor of, I should say. And because she's got a she's got a brassy voice and we pulled out the adoption contract to see if we were going to return her or not, because we, we had no idea what what we were getting ourselves into with a puppy. But ARF saved us and saved her. We did uh, three months of training and obedience training here with Stretch. And she's the she's the love of our lives. And but about two years after that, I got a call from a headhunter saying that ARF was uh, looking for a new director. And did I know anybody? And at the time I was working at the Parish Art Museum. And I said, well, I might know somebody. <laughs> let's, let's, let's find out more. But it, it uh, you know, I thought about my own experience with Stritch and, and how much she had changed our lives and how happy I was. And I was grateful to ARP and what they did and I'd learned a lot about where she had come from and those circumstances and why and where ARF rescues. So I came to ARF in 2016. Oh, and you've been you've been here since? Yes. You go home at night? I do. I do. They do let me go home at night. There, there has been a lifeline, uh, a very strange lifeline to uh, Rincon, Puerto Rico. I wonder if it's still going. Describe it it does. Some, some of the, the people, the, the, the rescuers may change over time, but, but there's, there's still a strong connection with Rincon. In fact, we brought in puppies uh, from Rincon. I want to say it was October after the last hurricane went through and they were without power. And um, the, the volunteers, we met them at JFK. They couldn't get them on an American flight as cargo. And finally, the rescuer was desperate and had a friend, a JetBlue, and they bought two round-trip tickets. And the puppies were so small, they uh, one took four and one took three oh, Wow! in a carry-on bag. And uh, we met them at the airport, and they turned around and flew back to Rincon, and we brought the puppies uh, to East Hampton. And they were gone in a week. Well, so the uh, was isn't it true that some surfers will pick up the dogs? Be and yeah, that's that's how a lot of the the, the uh, Caribbean islands. It can be really difficult to get dogs off um, to get regular flights and get them to New York. And so a lot of people, when they go down on vacation, they will fall in love, and um, and that's actually a really a really wonderful way to help those rescuers on the islands, uh, not just in Puerto Rico, get islands, uh, get animals back to the states. Yeah, and some of them come back pretty sick or uh, in need of reparations or and stuff. Yeah, so we've um, we've learned a lot about rescue, and there's a whole branch of veterinary medicine that deals with just shelter medicine because we we see things that coming in that that you know most people don't don't see or experience with their own pets for good reason. So we try to do all the vaccinating, at least the first round of vaccines before the animals get here. And then we have a special quarantine space at ARF for that. So, you know, we, we don't want to put anyone's animals at risk and we want to make sure all our animals go home healthy. So 
a lot of the a lot of the precautions happen before the animals ever get on a plane. And then uh, when they're here, sometimes they're kept for a week or so. At least at least a week, um, sometimes longer, depending on what we find. So their medical history starts over when they when they land here, and um, we test for parasites, heartworm, um, upper respiratory illnesses all the things, um, leptospirosis, all the things that we know are endemic to the islands, or even it could be from the animals we get from South Carolina or most recently New Mexico. We, we, we do our best to, to check for all of those things and, and, and we treat them um, before they're made available for adoption. So that's why sometimes there's a lag you may see on on social media that ARF just got, you know, these wonderful puppies from New Mexico, and then you don't see them available for adoption. And that's because we're making sure they're healthy before they're released. I see. Yeah. What's the facility going, when is it going to be completed? The uh, yeah. So it, this winter, how's that for specific and vague? Uh, <laughs> we're uh, February, March, we're, we're looking at, we're very close. Um, you know, we're, we're talking uh, at a construction meeting today about pouring sidewalks next week. So I, I'm just hoping for weather that stays above freezing for sidewalks and asphalt. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like anybody else building out here, but the it's down to the finished work inside the kennels. We have the glass coming for the doors next week. Um, they're, you know, December, they'll be putting on the finished paint coat. We'll, we'll, we're gonna, we're gonna reopen softly this winter, and then uh, by Memorial Day weekend, we'll have a big celebration. We will have uh, worked through all the kinks. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be great. But we're gonna, we're gonna quietly move in this winter. I see. I see. Um, have you? I'm just curious about since you're so near the airport. Has that been a problem in any way with the, uh, um, we, the, you know, the dogs don't mind and the pilots don't mind our dogs barking. So I think, you know, we have a good, uh, we have, we have a good relationship and there's actually a, a, a wonderful group of volunteer pilots who over the last couple of years have stepped in to help us help shelters that are beyond our reach. So we've had volunteer pilots fly from Georgia fly to New Mexico and back most recently, bringing, um, bringing small, uh, small transports of dogs. Yeah. From shelters who, who need partners like our, but the, the trip is just too long for, for us to drive and too long for the animals, um, to drive safely back here. Yeah. I, I see. Uh, will you have a, a, a more a room for more dogs than you have now when you reopen? You know, we, we, so we'll have more room than we have now, but we won't have more room than we had before we started. So the goal was not to increase our capacity, but to make it better. So for the animals and for the staff and for the adopters. So you know, the, the spaces for the dogs will be quieter. They'll have air conditioning for the first time in 40 years. Um, they'll have adequate heat. And then, you know, we, we, you know, we've made a lot of improvements in the air quality for animals in the shelter, including fresh air circulating into 
um, into the air conditioning and heating, um, and then UV filtration. And now, since the pandemic, we know that that's going to be healthier for people too. Who who would have thought? Yeah. Well, I've been talking to Scott Howe, the director of the Animal Rescue Fund of the Hamptons. I thank you for being on the podcast, and uh, I look forward to the spring when we have your big grand opening. I'll I'll Good. be there. Great. We look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for having me today, Dan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.